All right, well, let's give a warm First Church welcome to Rick Ashley. Hello, First Church, all of you in person, all of you watching online. It is a thrill to be here right off the bat. I'm not speaking in tongues. This is a Texas accent. I can't do anything about it. If you don't understand, get someone with the gift of interpretation and let them help you out. I am thrilled to be here. I'm at an awkward season of life. And here's what I mean. When I go up to the counter, I want my senior discount, but I don't want the person to know I get it before I ask for it. You know what I'm talking about? It bugs me when they just assume and give me the senior discount before I even have told them that I'm supposed to get it yet. But here's the thing. I know I'm getting older. I can remember when I was in my 20s, I would just play basketball all night long, get up the next day and go. Then I hit my 30s. And I'd play basketball all night. I'd get up the next morning and I was sore. And then I hit my 40s and I'd wake up in the morning and I was sore. And I didn't do anything last night. You know, okay? <laughs> and now I've hit that stage of life. Some of you can understand what I'm talking about. I can wake up and I'm sore because I hurt myself sleeping. <laughs> I, did, I slept wrong and put a crick in my neck. How pathetic is that? But it's just a reality. This is what happens if you get older. The scripture says outwardly, we are wasting away. But the good news is, inwardly, we are being renewed day by day. But are we? Are we doing renewing very well? Because it seems to me that so many believers exhibit signs of tired, anxious, joyless souls. And the last thing they would want is for their pastor to pray over them what Pastor John prayed for one of his friends. Look with me, 3 John verse 2. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. Would you want Pastor Chad to pray this over you right now? that I hope everything else in your life, your health, your job, your marriage, your children, I hope everything else in your life is doing as well right now as your soul is doing. You see, God created us with a body and a soul. And that soul is not just part of us. In some ways, it is the center of us. Our very being was made to be saturated with the being of God. And our soul is that part of us that he feels. Look at these other songs with me in Psalm 42. It says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? My soul is that part of me that longs to connect to God, to commune with God. Or in Hebrew songwriting, they would often write a verse and then write a second verse, different words, but it said the same thing. So look at this song and praise the Lord, my soul. Now the next verse is saying the same thing. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Our soul is that part that's deep within us that intimately connects and communes with God. And this is why the enemy is so relentless in making war against our souls. 
So I'm going to ask you five questions today. And here's the first. Let's go back to it. Is it well with my soul? Would you want everything else in your life to be as healthy right now as your soul? See, let me state what I think is obvious. We are living in a culture that has normalized a way of life that is absolutely toxic to our souls. I'm going to say that again because it's so important. We have normalized a way of doing life that is killing our soul. And I think you see the evidence all around us, primarily the absolutely skyrocketing rates of mental health challenges in our country. The anxiety, the depression, especially among young people. The rising abuse of opioids and alcohol. Just the constant airing of offense and grievous and anger and outrage. I just tell you, as a pastor, I talk to my people and it just seems like living exhausted on the inside has become the new normal. And we keep telling ourselves, well, it's just a season. No, it's not a season. The truth is it's become a lifestyle. We are losing our souls by the way we've normalized doing life. And we're losing connection to God because of it. Consequently, I know a lot of Christians, they would not want me to pray John's prayer over them. But here's the good news. Jesus understands. And he offers something better. Listen to maybe the greatest invitation ever given. It's Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. He's not just offering relief. Jesus is offering restoration. He's offering a better way to live. He's offering not just to be our savior, but he's offering 24 seven to be our shepherd. And that brings me then to a verse I want to lean into today from maybe I think the greatest song ever. And like I said, when you've been at the top of the chart for 3,000 years, you get to say that. So look at it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. So what I'm going to do now, the rest of our time together, I'm going to ask you four more questions. Four more questions that are going to explore how your soul is doing. And courageous people have the honesty and the integrity to give real truthful answers to hard questions. I'm reminded of two of the greatest philosophers of all time. It was Socrates who said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And it was Ice Cube who said, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. <laughs> and so here's the second question I want to ask you this morning. Is my soul undernourished? 
See, I believe much of the damage that we're doing to our souls is self-inflicted. And it starts with the vacuous, the frivolous, and even the poisonous diets we feed our souls. And a huge part of the problem are these dopamine dispensers that we keep in our pockets. Here's what I learned last year. I'd spent a season away just with the Lord, and I came to this conclusion. My soul cannot do life at the speed of a smartphone. My soul cannot absorb all the evil and all the suffering and all the hate and all the outrage in a single day and be well. And before you get upset with me, I just want you to think about this. When is the last time you spent 30 minutes scrolling, looking at what all your friends are doing for their vacation, reading all the comments of the latest hot opinions, getting lost in all the rabbit trails of the memes and the pictures, and after 30 minutes, put your phone down and said, I tell you, I feel so much closer to God right now. See, our souls are overgorged, but they're undernourished and they cannot rest. See, that's the thing about a sheep. A sheep cannot lie down and rest if it is hungry, only when it's full. And it is the responsibility of the shepherd to provide a diet for the sheep so that the sheep can be full and rest. And our shepherd has done this. We have a good shepherd who knows how to give us what we need to nourish our soul. Look at this verse from another song. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. And the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. God's word refreshes the soul. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want everyone to stick your foot out as far as you can. Wherever you are, just stick your foot out like this, okay? Stick your foot out, all right. Now, keep your foot out. I'm gonna ask you two questions. Number one, how many of you believe everything you read in the paper and see on cable news? How many of you believe everything you read and see is true? Okay, I thought so. Next question. How many of you believe the word of God is true and you can trust everything you see and read? Okay, last question. Why do you spend so much more time reading and seeing what you don't believe is true than what you believe is? Now, the reason I had you stick your foot out is so I could step on your toes a lot easier. I had to make some hard decisions about what I was doing to my soul last year. I had this Twitter account. I'm not saying, by the way, you should do this. I'm saying this is what I had to do. I had this Twitter account. I had thousands and thousands of followers. For years, I would try every day to tweet something that was encouraging and helpful. And here's what I decided. Even if what I was doing was a good thing, it was not healthy for me to wade through the sewage every day that was on that app in order to do something positive. So I deleted my account, and it has been good for my soul. And it seemed like the world is doing just fine without me tweeting once a day. <laughs> Another thing I've made a decision I'm going to start doing. I had gotten to the habit that I always have to have noise. I got buttons all around me. I can constantly punch a button to make sure there's always noise, and I've stopped that. Why can't I just get in my car and have 15 or 20 minutes of silence just to pray and listen to God? And it has been good for my soul. 
Augustine said we must empty ourselves of all that fills us so that we can be filled with what we are empty of. So, hard question, but listen, if you want to get well, you have to ask hard questions. Is your current diet able to sustain a healthy soul? Is my soul undernourished? Third, third question. Is my soul over-anxious? You see, sheep are notoriously anxious animals because their only recourse against predators is to run. And in David's day, there were wolves and there were bears and there were lions. And so sheep are just always skittish. And like sheep, anxiety-producing situations are not for us an occasional possibility. They are the constant reality. You know what the HarperCollins 2022 word of the year was? Perma-crisis. In other words, we now live in an age where there is a constant crisis stacked on top of another crisis. Think about the last three years. Pandemic, political instability, racial tension, school shootings, war in Ukraine, inflation, climate change. I mean, it's just always there, one on top of the other. We can't live like a sheep in a place where there's not something to be worried about. We can never manage or manipulate life enough to eliminate the potential for stress. The only thing that could calm a sheep was the presence of the shepherd. What did Jesus say? Come to me. You're so fried, you're so worn out, you're so skittish, you're so anxious, you're so afraid. Come to me and I'll give you rest for your soul. So could it be that behind so much of our soul weariness is the admission that we have functionally stopped coming to Jesus? Instead, we go to other resources for relief while we maintain the lifestyle that is killing our soul. I'll just have an extra drink at night or binge on some Netflix or scroll on Facebook until I fall asleep. So um, about 10 years ago, three different fishing boats off the coast of New England sank. There weren't any breach uh, integrity problems. There, they were all captained by veteran uh, sailors. They were close to shore. What happened? Well, see, they were clam boats. And a clam trap weighs about 300 pounds, but you fill it full of clams, it weighs up to one to one and a half tons. And on each of those boats, there were over 10 traps more than they were supposed to carry, an extra 10 to 15,000 pounds of weight. Say, how did that happen? Well, years earlier, somebody put one extra trap on, got a little bit more money. If you put five more traps on, you make a lot more profit. See what had happened? It had just become normal to carry more than the boat was designed to carry. This is what we're doing. We have just made normal a way of doing life that is frying our souls. So Jesus is invited. Take my yoke. 
He's inviting us to a different kind of way to do life that could restore our soul. Listen to Psalm 116. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. In other words, the Bible says we can live a new normal. Being constantly anxious and tired and exhausted on the inside is not how you have to accept life. But we have to ask ourselves, is that what I want? Do I want a healthy soul bad enough that I will make some hard choices about the way I'm doing my life? See, let me illustrate. I never learned to like coffee. And so as a young person, if I needed a caffeine kick every morning, I would get the national drink of Texas, which of course is a Dr. Pepper. But as you get older and your metabolism changes, you just can't handle all the sugar. So I taught myself to like Diet Coke. Don't you judge me. (laughs) And I'll be honest, I started drinking way too much Diet Coke. So I made a resolution. I'm going to cut back on Diet Coke. Because, well, for one thing, did you know there was a recent study that said there could be a connection between diet soda and short-term memory loss. And there's been studies in the past that said there could be connections between artificial sweeteners and some kinds of cancers. And there's no way all that caffeine and carbonation in my body every day is good for me. Oh, and did you hear about this? There's been a recent study that said there could be a link between diet soda and short-term memory loss. And so the point is... (laughs) I know I shouldn't drink so much Diet Coke, but I'll be totally honest and candid with you. I still do. I still do. I haven't wanted it enough to actually make the hard choices. What about you and your soul? Listen to Jeremiah. He said... Jeremiah, is it 616? Do we have that? Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. Like children refusing a nap, so many Christians fight the very thing they need. So here's the fourth and maybe the hardest question. Am I willing to do what it takes to care for my soul? Now, please understand, only Jesus can save my soul for eternity. But I must partner with Jesus to save my soul from infirmity. And yet very few Christians I know have a plan for how to take care of their soul. And we keep clinging to this illusion. Well, it's just a season. I know I'm all worn out and tired and fried right now, but I'm just going through a season and and I just need a little more time. No, let me tell you something. You're not getting more time. God gave us 24 hours a day and that's all the time you're going to get. We don't need more time. We need to spend the time that we have differently. In other words, we need to accept the yoke of Jesus. That's what he said. Take my yoke. 
A rabbi, that just means a rabbi saying, let me teach you to do life the way I do life. It comes down to this. You cannot have the life of Jesus without the lifestyle of Jesus. If I asked you, do you believe Jesus is the way and the truth of the life? You'd all nod your heads. But I think we believe he's the truth more than we believe he's the way. Can you imagine a stressed out Jesus? Can you imagine Jesus ever saying, I'm sorry right now, but I just don't have the bandwidth to deal with you and love you well. I'm just so fried. Jesus intentionally lived his life in a way that took care of his soul. In fact, I did a whole series on this of four sermons at my church last January, if you want to hear more, but I'm just going to real quickly tell you three things we could do and decide today that would help our souls. Here's number one, sleep. Jesus knew the value of sleep. If he was tired, he could sleep even if he was in a boat in the middle of a storm. You know, Edison didn't help us here when he invented the light switch. Do you know there was a time in history when the average person slept 11 hours a day because it was dark. What else could you do? Maybe that makes you feel better. You read about these people. They would get up every day at four in the morning and pray. Yeah, well, they went to bed at six. <laughs> Just a hundred years ago in our country, the average American slept nine hours a day. Today it is 6.8. And there is direct links to our lack of sleep and what it is doing to our mental health. Let me tell you something. God did not create the late, late show. Sleep is actually a statement of faith in the Psalms. It, it means I am going to trust God for my safety and my provision. That's something you could do for your soul. You could stop abusing your body and rest more. Get some sleep. Here's something else. This was a deliberate discipline of Jesus. Silence. He would often seek solitary places just to pray and rest and be with God. He sent his disciples out on their first mission trip. He knew they were going to be tired when they got back. Look at this verse. He said to them, Mark 6, 31. Do you have it? The verse says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Here's what I know about you, and I don't even know you personally. Here's what I know about you. You love God. You really do love God. I do too. But here's what I also know about many of us. We don't create margin in our life to be with God. And our souls suffer from the constant exposure to rush and to noise. And then maybe most of all, this was a consistent discipline of Jesus. Sabbath. This included regular corporate worship. 
It was the custom of Jesus once a week to gather with other believers in community like this and worship God. But Jesus understood Sabbath is more than just a day. Sabbath was made for man. It was more than a day. It was an orientation. Sabbath reminds us we're not what we do, but who we're loved by. Sabbath calls on us to embrace our limits and accept the fact that we can't run the world, only God can. That our worth doesn't depend on our activity, but on God's. I came to the church I'm at now when I was 32 years old. I had a young family. The church was in a crisis. It had a huge, huge debt problem that it couldn't meet. There was talk of bankruptcy. I was wearing myself out. And I'd been there only a few months and I got diagnosed with something called mononucleosis. I'd never had that in my life. All I know is I was extremely fatigued and the only thing I could do was rest and it made me mad. And I remember being on my bed, just stewing. I can't be resting. I'm important. I got to go do things. I got to take care of my family. I got to take care of my church. I got to go out there and be productive. And the Lord rebuked me. And in my spirit, I heard the Lord say this. I had Fort Worth under control before you ever got here. Take a nap. <laughs> you see, we live in an age when it's always possible to be at work. And by the way, these are part of the problem. The current understanding is I'm supposed to be available 24-7. And here's the irony. Sabbath is the one command Christians can break and be applauded for. Isn't that right? Think about it. Could I keep my job as a pastor if I cheated on my wife and committed adultery? Could I keep my job as a pastor if I consistently lied to my people? Could I keep my job of my pastor if I got angry and killed somebody? But I can work myself to the bone. I can literally wear myself out with constant frenetic activity. And I will be applauded. Breaking Sabbath is the one command we celebrate. Some of you are thinking, well, pastor, I don't know where you're from, but I'm telling you something, the devil never takes a day off. Well, he's the devil. <laughs> I don't think the idea is to be more like him. Here's the thing. Listen to me. These last several years have been hard. And we're tired. And we want a quick fix. Maybe I could go on a retreat or maybe I could just have some awesome worship experience or maybe I could go have a session with a counselor. Those are good things. But what Jesus is calling us to do is intentionally build the kind of life that is good for your soul. There's no quick fix. It's deciding I'm going to do life the way Jesus did life. And if we build it, he will come because he wants to fill us. He didn't say learn about me. He said, learn from me. He's offering us a way to do life that is healthy for our soul. 
And here's something I want you to remember about your soul. It won't scream at you if you keep ignoring it. Now, the outer world will always demand attention. And the great lie is, if I can just improve my scorecard in the outer world, then I'll have more joy and peace in my inner world. And Jesus disagrees. In fact, maybe the most important question he ever asked was this one. What good will it be for the someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? And maybe Jesus isn't just talking about your eternal destination. Maybe he's talking about a condition. So here's the last question. What have I really won if I lost my soul in the process? Can it really be considered success if it seduces me from the cultivation of my soul? Dallas Willard said, the most important thing is not what you do, it's who you become. That's what you'll take into eternity. You see, we're getting ready for a final exam and the final exam is gonna have two questions. Did you love God passionately? And did you love people consistently? And here's what we know from reading the life of Jesus. You can't live your life constantly in a hurry, constantly in a rush, constantly worn out and love well. In fact, it's interesting. In one of his most famous sermons, Jesus talked about pagans. He said, man, they wear themselves out. They run after all these things. Why are you going as hard as they're going? Why are you living that way? He's given us a different way to live. He's modeling a different life. He knows the world needs the witness of people with rested, healthy, non-anxious souls. Because here's the thing. Non-Christians don't read Bibles. Non-Christians read Christians. And the real win is when they notice that it is well with ourselves. So uh, last year, this guy died. His name is Bob Davey. He was 91 years old, lived in England. And he and his wife noticed an old church near their house that had been basically uh, left in ruins and desecrated by Satanists. You could see it was in really bad, bad shape. He made it his life mission for 22 years to restore that sacred place. And he did a good job, as you can tell. The Church of St. Mary's is quite beautiful now, and it's a place now where people gather and spend time with the Lord. They discovered some paintings in this church that are 1,000 years old. Let that sink in. 800 years before the Alamo, these paintings were bringing glory to God. It took time and it took intention, but he restored a sacred place. And Jesus is asking us to do the same thing. So let's listen to the greatest song ever one more time. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores 
my soul. And so first church, here's the last question. Will you let Jesus save your soul? So Father, we pray in Jesus' powerful name that we will have the integrity it takes to hear the word of the Lord today and that we will have the courage it takes to do what the word of the Lord asks us to do. And we do pray, Jesus, that you will give us what you promised, rest for our souls. For your name's sake and glory, amen.